Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, July 28th. We begin with a look at the ongoing We Charity scandal. We get the latest from Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa, Mike LeCouture, ahead of the upcoming testimony by Mark and Craig Kielberger, the brothers who founded the charity. More details surrounding the devastating shooting that happened in Nova Scotia back in April are now surfacing. Andrew Russell, Global's national online journalist, has new information on the gunman, including his alleged smuggling of both guns and drugs from the U.S. Next Next, we catch up with Sandeep Lali, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. We'll get an update on how local businesses are preparing for the August 1st mandatory mask bylaw. Then we head to Banff, where masks will also be mandatory as of Friday. We speak with Mayor Karen Sorensen on the town's decision to include outdoor portions of Banff Avenue in the bylaw. And finally, in school, the focus is on reading, writing and arithmetic. We hear from financial expert Leslie Scorgi on why she believes financial literacy is an important subject that should be taught at home. We're having some troubles with your audio, Mike. I'm not sure if you can hear us. Yeah, um, we can hear you, but it's very, very low. We're going to have to... One, better two, three. Is this better? Oh, that's better. I think that's usable oh. for sure. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry about that, you guys. Continue. Hey, you know, radio, it's a first for me. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you put a TV guy on radio and th- something's going to go wrong, right? I apologize. <laughs> I apologize no worries. So, yeah, okay, so what we're going to really be looking for is the timeline. So we know that the federal cabinet met to discuss the program and ultimately approved the We Charity on May 22nd. We're hearing that We Charity started working on it on May the 5th. Now, We Charity says that they started working on it before having approval because there was such a time timeline think about it this was going to be something that was uh, going to roll out over the summer and this was may uh so you know about a month to turn this thing around but the question comes and i think opposition parties really want to know about this given all of the connections we've heard between the prime minister justin trudeau and the we charity and of course finance minister bill morneau and this charity because one of his daughters does work for we charity were they tipped off at all were they kind of given a bit of a wink and a nudge as to whether or not um, you know, the criteria that they had to meet for proposal was going to be such and that all they had to do was tick all of these boxes when they submit that proposal. Another thing that I think is interesting, guys, is We Charity's Canadian Board of Directors, the former head of the Board of Directors, Michelle Douglas, she confirmed to Global News yesterday that she resigned back in March citing concerning developments at the organization. She's going to be testifying before the Kielberger brothers, and I bet you that opposition MPs are going to want to know what those concerning developments at the charity were. Kielberger uh, brothers, Mark and Craig, say that they want to set the record straight. What can we uh, hear from them, do you think, today? Yeah, well, I mean, it's all around that timeline, right? And and exactly, uh, they're going to try as much as possible to talk about how uh, this was all above board and how there were no issues with it whatsoever. Uh, it's interesting, though, that, you know, we they have in the last couple of days put out a bunch of uh, press releases and, and, and some of the, the, you know, the documents that okay. sort of show, um, you know, how everything went with the sole sourced agreement, uh, including how uh, when you you dig into it there was 30 million dollars that was paid up front to the charity on june the 30th however we sends out a copy of the agreement with footnotes showing that the money quote has not been drawn upon and the funds will be repaid by we in full and continuing that quote details of the repayment are presently being worked out with the government uh so definitely we charity and and the brothers today will be trying to sort of mount their own defense today mm. uh before the finance committee and what happens on thursday we've got it's unprecedented We're going to have the Prime Minister testifying on Thursday, Mike. 
Yeah, and so, you know, because hockey is back, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a hockey analogy. It'll be interesting because the opposition's two chief agitators, uh, Conservative Pierre Polyev and NDP's Charlie Ingus, are really going to do their best, because they're good at this, to get under the skin of the Prime Minister and really create this sort of political theatre. You'd have to think the calculation on the Prime Minister and his team's uh, side is that there's nothing more to be said or no new revelations that'll come out in front of this committee, um, even though it's the middle of summer and whether or not Canadians will be watching, uh, you know, is is um, is probably part of the calculation. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to think they will because this is so unprecedented that he and then followed by his chief of staff, some of the questions that he will have to answer uh, is whether or not the family ties really tip the balance uh, to going towards this We Charity. Because don't forget, his brother Alexandre Trudeau and his mother Margaret Trudeau both received, um, you know, in total hundreds of thousands of dollars in speaking fees from the We Charity. And Trudeau already apologized and admitted that he did not recuse himself from the cabinet decision to go with We Charity. Uh, so I, it'll be high political drama and high political theater on the Hill on Thursday for sure. It's going to be an interesting end to the week for sure. Thank you for your time, Mike. Thanks for having me, guys. That is Mike LeCouture, Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. 647 helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Just one traffic lights from the mountains. Coming up on 620, speaking of money, did you see the Calgary man won $6 million and he uses the wrong lottery numbers? Yeah. I guess a bunch of years back, he's been buying the same you know lottery numbers for years and a bunch of years back, he actually uses family's yeah. birth dates and he had used the system. His, yeah, and he used his sister's wrong birth date, but stuck with it. And he stuck <laughs> with it for so long that it's paid off. 40 years later, he just won and when $6 he was million. Dollars. told he won, he said 60000 They said no, yeah. $6 million. Yeah, interesting. Hey, uh, you know, this has been a very, very interesting story to follow. And all of a sudden, more details are coming out about the Nova Scotia shooting that happened a couple of months back. Joining us this morning with some details is Global's national online journalist, Andrew Russell. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. So well, why is this information just coming to light now? Um, so ever since uh, following the uh, the tragedy that happened in April, um, a, gr- a group of media uh, organizations, including Global News, have been fighting to have the search warrant applications 
that police that police filed to search the gunman's property. We've been fighting in court to have those publicly revealed, including some redactions, um, some blacked out material that police deemed was too sensitive uh, to release to protect the um, ongoing investigations. So we've been fighting for you know almost three months now to have these redactions lifted. And yesterday, a judge uh, granted us the first um, sort of round of um, major round of, uh, of redactions of being lifted. These allegations of smuggling with guns and drugs, uh, it leads uh, people to think maybe there's there's more to this story than we know. Is this a standard practice to, again, hold back the information uh, that we're seeing within this case? Um, I've been sitting in court uh, sort of virtually listening to the arguments, and from the prosecution side, they've been arguing that, yes, uh, because you essentially... You, They've been um, looking to see how the gunman was able to obtain the weapons, and they didn't want to tip off anyone who might have been, you know, uh, here or on the other side of the border in the United States um, who had uh, helped him get access to the firearms that were used. So they didn't want to reveal their hand, essentially. Um, But now, as we've uh, listened and we've known more, um, uh, a judge decided to agree with our lawyer that it was time to uh, lift the redaction. So is there more coming, Andrew? I mean, we found out about all these guns that have been smuggled in from Maine across the border from Nova Scotia and also about drugs that he was smuggling in, secret compartments he had hidden around his property. Is there more coming, do you think? There will be a lot more coming. So uh, so far we have roughly eight, eight or ten, um, uh, I guess, legal authorization, search warrants, other documents that were filed by police. Now, this was a massive investigation. Um, you know, involves hundreds of officers, thousands of hours, you know, dozens of different crime, uh, different crime scenes. And one thing that police have said is that I think it's closer to 24 legal authorizations. So there could be a lot more information coming. Now, we do know with these new documents that the uh, a witness told police that the weapons uh, they had heard or they were aware that. Uh, the gunmen had smuggled drugs and guns from the U.S., but it's important to know that these allegations have not been tested in court. So they have not been thoroughly um, vetted by the RCMP or the Canada Border Service Agency. So we're going to be waiting we'd, uh, waiting to hear more reaction from them. Andrew, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. That is Andrew Russell, Global's national online journalist. 8-12 now, and the mandatory mask rule comes into effect this weekend. So are Calgary businesses prepared, and are they pleased about this move? We're joined now by President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber, Sandeep Lally. Good morning, Sandeep. Good morning, Sue. Thanks so much for joining us again. So, I mean, we're days away now, and we talked to you just a little bit ago about businesses. Please, you know, a decision had been made one way or the other about this mandatory mask rule. Are they ready? Does it seem like your business owners are, are ready for this to come into effect? They're ready to increase consumer confidence. So the masks is a pathway to that. That's the way that we're hearing it back framed is that this helps protect our workers and also provides consumer confidence so that people can continue to come into restaurants and into stores to consume. The confidence is great. I'm wondering about, you know, behind the scenes and what you're hearing. Has it been a lot of work for some of these businesses or is it as simple as a sign and maybe having a staff meeting to make sure everybody's on the same page? They've kind of gone back to their, you know, protocols. You know, we we put the signage that's required now that the city has put in into our 
powering up toolkit as well. But they've kind of gone back to that where they have the staff meeting with additional protocol. You know, how do you address somebody who doesn't want to wear a mask? How do you have, you know, respect and etiquette in that regard? That, that we've heard those kinds of training pieces come back. The masks themselves, you know, they're because we had about a month and a half here, you know, where PPE was catching itself up. We haven't heard saying, you know, we, I can't find a mask, so that's a good thing. And then um, with respect to being ready, it's just a matter of putting the signage up in their entryways. What is your advice, Sandeep, to the business owners who, you know, will have to enforce this as customers are coming into their location and maybe they don't want to wear a mask? How, how you know, and, and they're facing the fines, the owners, right? So how do you, how do you sort of lead them that way? Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that's where they just you know, rely on the the bylaw itself, right? And the and that it's mandatory. And that sort of takes it out of the hands of the business owner. They're complying. They're trying to be really respectful. They're trying to understand, you know, we've heard, you know, like, hey, how does it work when I'm eating and drinking? You know, I don't want to wear it when I'm sitting at the table. You know, how do I address that? Uh, you know, and so that's where they're just really listening and trying to work with the customer. What are you hearing from those businesses that are that are open now as far as, you know, another week into the pandemic? Uh, how are businesses faring as we move deeper into the summer? What's the general feeling or temperature of Calgary businesses? Yeah, so we've gotten some feedback, you know, with the concern with the, the numbers going up, you know, and, and everyone wanting to make sure that we can flatten the curve again and, and all of that. So there's that piece that, you know, generally people had started to dial it into how their businesses were going to work and, you know, looking at, you know, potentially things like rent and tax increases. We do hear about that, like the burden that, you know, our governments are taking on. How's how that going to impact my long-term business? Um, you know, some people have referred to the outlook from Bank of Canada, you know, saying that it'll probably be somewhere mid-2022. So readjusting for those kinds of projections you know, we did hear good news here um, on the outlook here, you know, ATCO investing into hydrogen and, you know, and things like that. And so other projects coming on. So that's, you know, creating some optimism as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a discussion we'll continue to touch with uh, touch base with you about and, and getting the, the feel from our Calgary businesses. Wanted to give you the last 30 seconds to give a little plug to the Calgary Resilient Business Awards. Oh, thank you. Yes, so we've extended the deadline for applications to August 21st. And it's very, I mean, it's one of those things we know it's tough, but we need to be proud and celebrate as well. And you can nominate yourself. A customer can nominate you. You can nominate other businesses. And we have support and partnership from TD, RBC, and ATB for these awards. And so they are on September 24th and August 21st is the last day to get your application in. Thanks so much for your time this morning, Sandeep. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for that. More uh, details at calgarychamber.com. That was, of course, Sandeep Lolly, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. 817, helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman. Enjoy established amenities, recreation facilities, and the leading school districts. Well, now we've got a few things to watch out for this morning, starting with a collision of the
over the northwest to eastbound Stony Trail at Shaganapi Trail. It's just before the overpass, sitting off to the left shoulder with police on scene. We also got eyes on a new problem on southbound Deerfoot at Anderson Road. Looks like this collision is off to the right shoulder. Northbound leaves of Deerfoot still running at about 9 or 10 minutes from Stony Trail up towards 17th Avenue. We also still have a couple of vehicles off to the right shoulder of westbound Glenmore Trail approaching Crowchild, so be on the lookout for that. But the earlier tire change on eastbound Glenmore approaching Elbow Drive, that's now cleared. Tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is $65 million, plus an estimated 10 max million. $65 million plus 10 max million streamed to the max with Lotto Max. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm ready, Howard. Eight forty-nine on the morning news. Uh, Banff Town Council passed a bylaw yesterday that requires masks in all indoor public spaces, and uh, a little further than that, as the bylaw also makes masks mandatory outside on parts of Banff Avenue. For the details, we're joined by Mayor of Banff, Karen Sorensen. Good morning to you, Mayor. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time. So this is a a little bit different than uh, what we've uh, heard about and are uh, expecting to happen in Calgary this weekend. Let's talk about that outside portion of mandatory masks. Uh, Where is it exactly and uh, why was it necessary? Well, thank you for asking, uh, just to make sure that everybody is clear. Uh, As you may recall, Banff uh, took vehicles off the 100 and 200 block of Banff Avenue, which is the main downtown core on our main street. And we did that this summer with respect to trying to provide space for social distancing. And that is working. However, we are starting to get busier and busier, particularly on the weekends. And what we're noticing is in lineups uh, to get into some businesses uh, and even just trying to get into the the doors of certain uh, retailers and places, people are getting very close together. Uh, And so therefore, we did add the 100 and 200 blocks of Banff Avenue to the mandatory mask bylaw. This is only in place until this pedestrian zone is no longer there. Our intention is to keep that pedestrian zone until September 11th. um, And that is what the bylaw refers to is the pedestrian zone as long as it is opened, uh, which is temporary. First of all, Mayor, I was up in Banff on the weekend and love the fact that the main road is closed off and you can walk along there. Maybe that will be something you do regularly from now on in the <laughs> summers. Uh, but I did notice that there were a lot of people wearing masks. Are you getting, are you getting feedback or you know pushback in either direction on this? I'm really glad to hear you say that. It has certainly increased. As our visitation has increased over the last couple of weeks, uh, so has the mask wearing. But if you were here this past weekend, what we just started this past weekend was our safety ambassadors. Yep, saw them. And so we have uh, stations set up where you can actually approach them and get free masks. And then we also have these safety ambassadors walking uh, on Banff Avenue and directing people also over to Bear Street, which is currently under construction. But we're trying to let people know there's businesses over there that are open. Um, and so all that team working together has masks with them and are educating people on masks. And, of course, this weekend, uh, when the bylaw comes into play, uh, their messaging will be a little bit different. If people aren't wearing masks, we have a mask for you. We have put a bylaw in place. We'd appreciate it if you could please put it on in this specific vicinity. Uh, Mayor, before we let you go, uh, you know, Banff can be a real hustle and bustle place this time of the year. Let's talk about enforcement. Is it still going to be an ambassador thing or how is something like this going to be enforced when you have hundreds and hundreds of people on Banff Ave? 
Right. Enforcement is not our first go-to by any means. Uh, we, not unlike Calgary, and I think the other places that are looking at these bylaws, want to educate. That's our intention. Mm-hmm. We certainly don't want to put our businesses into any kind of awkward position with their clients. So we're providing our businesses with signage that says we do have a bylaw, and then we're leaving it up to our businesses to decide how they want to communicate to their clients uh, that this bylaw is in place. And then, of course, we will have these ambassadors out doing education first and foremost. There is a fine. There's a $150 fine that is applied to the bylaw, but that will not be our first go-to. We really hope to continue to educate, and I'm really delighted to see these other municipalities starting to step in as well. Mm -hmm. I think if we have a regional effort here and and a regional Uh, focus, I I think it'll be way less confusing for people. Agree. Thank you so much for the update. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Take care. You too. That's Mayor of Banff, Karen Sorensen. 709 now. European budget airline Ryanair says the COVID-19 pandemic has wreaked havoc on its earnings and its warning travel is likely to be affected for years. Most airlines are in the same boat. To discuss the struggling airline industry, we're joined this morning by airline passenger rights advocate Gabor Lukacs for his insights. Good morning, Gabor. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. So, you know, obviously you can't look into the future and know for sure, but with the way things are right now, it doesn't look good for airlines for the very near future. The biggest risk challenge for airlines in Canada is their refusal to provide refunds. Because if they consider, if they go down this path, they will have no passengers. So if they don't, if they don't refund, the passengers will have a backlash and won't fly with a specific airline? There's already a strong backlash. Um, with Canadian Airlines, where passengers who actually uh, have paid the airline, given their lives their hard-earned money, and now in such a crisis are not getting back their money even though they get no services back. Mm-hmm. These people are getting very upset, and they have the right to be upset, by the way, and uh, they have no plans to fly in the near future. When you look at south of the border with the U.S. Department of Transportation having enough wisdom and common sense to enforce the rights of passengers, the fundamental right to a refund, and with airlines like Delta, who has been reasonably good with providing refunds, people will be voting with their money, with their money, with their wallets. To be the devil's advocate here, Gabor, I mean, you know, you've you've paid, you didn't get the trip, but they've given you a credit in most cases. So isn't that enough? I mean, if you wanted all the airlines to give back the money, that might bankrupt a good portion of them, yes? That's a false statement to begin with. It will not bankrupt there. If you look at Air Canada's balance sheets, the Air Transit sheets, they have more than enough money to provide refunds, at least on the short term. More importantly... If you go and buy a car and they somehow don't have the car that you agreed to buy, will you take a voucher? And will you, are you willing to wait a year or two to be able to buy a car and at a higher price? Because you have to bear in mind that the prices will be higher when you will be flying again. So if you had a trip, say, to uh, New York for $100 or sorry, $1,000, $500, whichever, price you say it will be probably the double by the time you will be flying again so it's not that you are going to get a trip to new york a year later which is already bad because you cannot use the money in the meanwhile but rather you're going to get half a trip and you have to pay again the same amount you have paid to get your trip 
I mean, obviously, you, you don't want to say survival of the fittest, but within the market that we're in, if we have options, those standout airlines that won't give refunds uh, could be the ones that, that uh, are no more. I mean, isn't that just the, the fact of life when it comes to business? And, you know, um, in terms of the airline industry, the aircrafts are not going to disappear. The crew are not going to disappear. Well, the people who may disappear is management and the shareholders. And I will not be crying over them if they cannot manage a business in a way that it respects the law. The law has been and remains in Canada. And as a passenger, you are entitled to a refund. If those managements, if those corporations think that they can run a corporation to, by breaking the law and pocket the profits, they have to think again. There will be other airlines from the ashes, perhaps, of those that go bankrupt. Also, in practice, what would likely happen is a so-called CCAA process, which is a kind of large corporation restructuring procedure where the creditors may have to take a haircut. Those who uh, signed leases with airlines for aircraft, those leases were signed at a very high price, assuming that you can make uh, 14, 16 hours of use of the aircraft and lots of revenue from that it was not priced based on today's realities. So those re re agreements, those leases have to be renegotiated. And perhaps a, a mild form of bankruptcy like the CCAA is what is needed for the whole industry to have a legal way to renegotiate those contracts that made perfect sense before COVID but don't make any sense now. And maybe in the end, bring down some prices for the travelers for sure. But I mean, really, we don't have that many options, particularly here in Canada. So our memories are short as humans, Gabor. You've got to admit that, you know, if we're annoyed by one of the airlines that perhaps isn't giving us back our cash right now, but gave us a credit. Eventually, we're going to have to fly with them again if we want to travel. Not necessarily, not if you're flying to Europe or if you're flying to the States or if you're flying to uh, Asia. There are other options we have to remember. And uh, passengers will have a long memory for airlines that stole their money because what is happening now is a form of theft. It is your money. So, you know, I can have all good reasons why you should be handing me over your car and the food in your fridge. Perhaps I don't have food. Perhaps I need your car better than you do. But the fact remains it's your car in your fridge. If I forcefully go into your apartment, take food out of your fridge, if I by force take your car, I'm simply a thief. The airlines are doing the same behavior. So they are saying, oh, we'll go bankrupt otherwise. But it completely ignores the reality that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Canadians are experiencing, which is dire hardship, dire financial hardship as a, as a result of the situation. People are out of jobs. People don't know how they will be paying for groceries, for bills, for mortgages. They need that money back and they need as much, in fact, way more than those large corporations need it. Yeah, but before we let you go, the the, the question is something we I want to like to revisit from you a month ago when we spoke with you, with restrictions easing and uh, more flights uh, being booked across the nation. Are you comfortable at this point uh, hopping on a flight, uh, for example, within our country, the flight to Toronto or whatever it might be? I would not get on a flight at this point. For, first, I would not buy a ticket from those Canadian airlines that are stealing the public's money. They are not honorable businesses. I would not give my money to them because I see no guarantee that if for whatever reason they have, the flight is cancelled, I'm going to see back my money. I would also not be flying in the current situation unless absolutely necessary for pure health reasons. You don't have physical distancing on board. Again, use the greed of these airlines. And uh, there is a risk in a current situation 
that you may get contract, you may contract um, COVID-19 on your way back or on your way there. It's not worth it. For now, I would recommend everyone to have only essential, absolutely essential travel, even within Canada. Never holding back. Love chatting with you, Gabor. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's Gabor Lukacs, airline passenger rights advocate. And he says it like he, you know, that's why he's an advocate for Mm -hmm. us as travelers. So, you know, interesting philosophy for sure. The airlines are stealing from us. And I know there are a lot of people who certainly feel that way because they want their money back. He is super passionate. But, you know, to your point, Sue, like when when both are up and running, is it not a case of, so if you had to go to Toronto to visit family. What choice do I have? And it, well, yeah. And if I've Air, got two. And if, if, if you were upset because WestJet didn't refund your money or whatever it might be, whatever airline, let's just use WestJet as an example, say, okay, I'm going to fly Air Canada. But Air Canada was 700 round trip and WestJet was 400. As, as, what are you going to do? The way I'm going I, cheaper. That's the way I work. 100%. It's a tough one anyway. Yep. I love Gabber, though. Great discussion. So much fun. 717, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. A mix of unique single-family homes, townhomes, and condos. For you, eastbound lanes of Bow Trail and 17th Avenue dealing with that glare factor, but overall volume-wise, a great route into downtown. There are continued lane closures in both directions of 17th Avenue between 14th Street and McLeod Trail to help out with physical distancing, so keep that in mind. Otherwise, though, 14th Street, great option into downtown, a 15-minute drive from Country Hills Boulevard into the Beltline. There will be lane closures uh, starting up around 8.30 this morning at 11th Avenue, just south of 16th Avenue there. That'll be uh, continuing until 3.30 this afternoon for construction. Crochelle Trail, also great uh, as you head out of the northwest, 10 minutes from Stony Trail down towards the Bow River construction zone. Already earning PC optimal points on groceries and health and beauty? Well, you can earn even faster when you fuel up at ESSO and mobile stations. Visit pcoptimum.ca for details. Up in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. Six oh nine on the morning news, and while teachers do add some key money concepts into kids' math and humanities curriculums, it's mainly up to us parents to make kids financially savvy. We're joined now by Leslie Scorgi, personal finance columnist, who says we should start teaching kids now. Good morning to you, Leslie. Good morning, Andrew. And you've known me for a long time. In fact, since I was youth forming my career (laughs) and starting to save money. And (laughs) this area is just so key. I was really lucky. I had a teacher in my high school in South Calgary who took it upon herself to like go above and beyond and teach money curriculum. And then it was complemented by having parents who decided that talking about money shouldn't be like a scary thing in our home. And it was part of like regular positive, upbeat conversations about the subject. And that's really the key when we're talking about empowering kids is to make this subject a little bit more friendly and to not fully rely on our teachers to do this work for for us parents. Leslie, what do you think it is that makes money a taboo topic in the house? Why did a lot of parents, like my parents, if I had questions, they'd answer, but we never discussed it. What is it? Why is it a dirty topic? I think it's because so many parents don't know if they're doing a good job at it. (laughs) And so they just don't even bother, like, going into that arena. Um, The other thing is, you know, if you, like, 
competence breeds confidence. So if as a parent, you're maybe wishy-washy on a subject, you're not super clear, like, how do I communicate this? You might just avoid it. Also, it tends to be an emotionally charged subject, uh, especially amongst couples. Um, and so there, there may be some of that playing in the background. But let's face it, so many of us learn financial principles the hard way in the school of hard knocks where, you know, we make a mistake and, and that's how we learn. So it has some negativity around it. And, and that's really what we want to get away from. Like we want to talk first with our kids this summer about all of the awesome advantages of saving early. And they have the thing that oh, us parents don't have, which is way more time on their hands and remarkably a fairly high degree of disposable income. Kids don't have to pay for anything. <laughs> That's so, so true. Yeah, if you get them kind of going early on saving, even if it's like a dollar a week or $5 a week, it it really has that positive impact on them. And my history here is I started saving when I was 10 years old because I was getting, you know, birthday money, money for the holidays. And because I had parents who didn't make this subject taboo in our home, it was pivotal in helping me set that foundation for building a really strong financial future. And I got to benefit from like the first key principle, which is that, if you start early, your money grows to the power of compounded interest and reinvested returns. It's like earning free money on your money and then earning more free money on that free money and your money. It's like a snowball effect. And I think when we're talking to our kids about that, it's, it's such a huge draw. Like they can actually have way more money if they start early on and they don't have to have a lot to get started. It can even come from their allowance. You know, Leslie, we were talking earlier, Andrew and I, just about uh, the difference between our own kids, right? So my two kids, mm -hmm. one's a spender and one's a saver. So as you look at, you know, compound interest is, is the one lesson you remember. But when you look back and think you started really young and teacher parents were key, what were a couple of the big lessons that you were taught as a kid that really stuck with you? So one thing was that the whole concept of budgeting, now my parents didn't use that word, that, that was like a taboo word because the big bad B word budget, tend, it tends to be scary. But what they did do is they said, well, when you, when you have money, you should split it three ways. And that was really simple. Okay, mom and dad, what, is, what are those three ways? And it was, you know, you save a little, you spend a little and you give a little back and we got to choose which was part of the empowerment process so I learned early that I could make decisions and that was so key that I had control to decide you know where to give some money to the other thing that my parents really stress and that I stress with my my clients right now is like it's okay to and that is something that I think back, you know, back in the day, we used to have these like all this negativity around spending, but kids and teens need to know that like spending is a part of life. Mm -hmm. It's normal and it is good when you spend joyfully on things that matter to you and it's within your means, you should be happy. It's where you get into, you know, overspending, like overspending. That's where you 
can run into, you know, some of the longer term implications, which is debt. <laughs> and, we, you know, we really try to stress that, you know, kids stay away from that overspending, but that they have control. I think, you know, to your question, it is pivotal that we tell kids, this is your, you know, this is your money. You get to decide. It's a good thing. Leslie, uh, how key is having a bank account versus saving at home? And, uh, you know, to, to that point, uh, how important is it that they have tangible cash, you know, in their hand at, at some point? I I love the, the concept of every kid having a bank account. I think it's so cool to, you know, pre-COVID be able to take them into the bank. Now we have to do a lot of this digitally, mm-hmm. um, but that's okay, right? You can sit down with your kids and go into their online banking with them. And you can e-deposit their small allowance into their account and show them how to transfer that into their savings account. There's some really key things that you can do, which is just expose them, show them the banking system. I, you know, I grew up getting cash uh, from an allowance and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people did. It was physically quite easy. Like my parents also broke it down where we would have loonies. And then we could like divide up the loonies and that was cool. (laughs) Um, And I I think like physical cash is is so, so important. But the thing is right now with, with us coming out of the pandemic, there's definitely been a shine away from using cash Mm -hmm. just because of like, you know, safety and dirt. And and this is your opportunity parents to, to get in and like do some digital banking with your kids. I think that's great. It is the way of the future, so we need to teach them about that. I think having money in your hand is also important because kids, most of us don't carry cash anymore. So I no. think, you know, show them that tangible when it's gone. piece of money, I think makes it, brings it home a little more maybe. I agree. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool also to, to show them what a piggy bank looks like, yep. especially if you have really, really young kids. And, you know, I've got a, a little guy who's just turning one and, not surprisingly, like I already have a piggy bank for him, um, but right now he like shakes it, and that's cool. So I think you know, even the sounds of money, the the piggy bank itself, the the physical coins and bills, these, these are good. The whole the whole idea here is to make the physical money or the digital money mm-hmm. seem friendly, and that it's okay to have it, it's okay to spend it, and yeah, we should be saving some of it. Good stuff. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Leslie. Thank you. That is Leslie Scorgi, personal finance columnist and freelance contributing columnist for the Toronto Star. 617 helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman. Main streets highlight 20-foot sidewalks and integrated bike paths. Through the southwest, we do have ongoing lane closures around uh, 17th Avenue and 37th Street in both the east and westbound lanes and two-way traffic south of the intersection on 37th Street itself. As you continue further south down towards Richmond Road, two-way traffic in effect as well around 30th Avenue. Volume-wise, though, if you're taking 17th Avenue or Boat Trail towards the downtown core, both running smoothly. We do have ongoing lane closures, though, in both directions of 17th Avenue between 14th Street and McLeod Trail to help out with physical distancing. Tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is $65 million plus an estimated 10 max millions. $65 million plus 10 max millions. Dream to the max with Lotto Max. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Brady Howard.